Child here visiting, this is the time that you would exit stage left to uh, go to Children's Church right off that door. So catch them if you hadn't left yet and you want to catch them. <clears throat> All right, we're going to spend some time in the Psalms. Uh, we, we did the same thing last summer, uh, spent a little time in the Psalms. And uh, I told you that I was planning on feeling led to read through the Psalms once a month for the entire year, um, which has been amazing uh, to do that and to just continually fill my, my head and my heart and my soul and my spirit and who I am with, with amazing words for how to praise God properly. Uh, it's, been, it's been great, and it has led me right back to where we started. So we're going to spend some more time in the Psalms, different ones uh, than we did last summer. We'll start with 136 this day, today, that we've already read through once, and we're going to read through it again. Uh, this psalm is called... By many, the great Hallel, uh, with, with that word means praise. When we say hallelujah, it's Hallel Yah, or Hallel Yahweh, same thing. The word's been anglicized and anglicized into hallelujah. And this word, this psalm is called the great Hallel, the great praise psalm, um, because of how praiseful it is towards God. Uh, it is thought to be an antiphonal psalm, an antiphonal psalm, which just means uh, something that is done by two different groups, like we just did a minute ago. So one group says something, and then the other group says something. They, they believe that's the way Israel uh, would have used this psalm even back in the ancient times. Uh, so you might have a choir say one thing, and then the congregation say another, or you might have the person leading the worship say one thing, and then the congregation uh, say another. Or even in some instances, you could have two choirs, one choir singing one, one line and one choir answering back with, his faithful love endures forever. So uh, it's a pretty neat, pretty neat thing. It's, it's pretty cool when we get to join in things that have been done for thousands of years. I think there's power uh, in that. So it's a pretty neat thing to do. So um, let's do that again like we already have. I'll say the first part, and then each time we will all say the line, His faithful love endures forever together, if you wouldn't mind. If you do mind, then you're a fuddy-duddy. 136, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, let me hear you, give thanks to the Lord of lords, give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles, give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully, give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights, the sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever, and the moon and stars to rule the night. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. He brought Israel out of Egypt. He acted with a strong hand and a powerful arm. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. He led Israel safely through. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. He killed powerful kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. 
and Og, king of Bashan. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance, a special possession to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our weakness. He saved us from our enemies. He gives food to every living thing. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. Now, why would, would, we, uh, why would we do things like that? You know, I thought about that at, at camp. Um, there's some things we do at camp. There's some chants, and there's, and there's, a, there's a Siloam song, and there's things like that. You know, it's the same tactics that the military uses. You know, they take somebody, uh, 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 a good-for-nothing 18-year-old punk, and then they turn them into a fighting warrior machine that would live and die for those around them. How do they do that? A lot of the way that they do that is by chanting things over and over together, by drilling truth into them over and over and over together. It's kind of like if I were to say, I bet you I don't even have to tell you what to do. If I were to say, when I say number, you say number, number. We didn't even practice that, and you already knew what to do. How does that work, right? Or if I said S-O, U-L. See? See? Sarah will come up and do the whole cheer for us if we wanted to. I can promise you. She still remembers all the moves. Right? When we chant and when we do things like that together, it drills it into our hearts in a, in, a, in a different way. So I know that can get mundane to some of you, but there is power in it. And there's a reason why we've done things like that for thousands of years. And there's nothing more powerful that we could do than to drill the Word of God deep down into our hearts because we're going to need it. So let's dig into this psalm. Uh, I think we've got a few good points to get out of this one today. Definitely do. Um, it starts with give thanks, okay? And it gives a mini history of Israel uh, in this psalm. Now, we will go through a psalm that goes through the entire history of Israel. So if you're not a Bible scholar, if you don't know much about the Old Testament, uh, either this coming week or the next week, we're going to go through that psalm, and, and you'll, get, you'll get the Old Testament in one song, which is pretty cool. Um, but today it gives a little mini version of that. And it starts off with give thanks, or yada is the word in the Hebrew. It's used four times. Now, the, the uh, NLT, which is what we read out of, the New Living Trans Translations, which I like the way it, it, it says the Psalms. It says it a little more poetically in the English. tries to keep the poetic, poeticism of the Hebrew in there. Uh, it, it adds it to almost every line because it is implied in every line that we are giving thanks. It is implied in that in the Hebrew, but it doesn't directly say it. It directly says it four times. Give thanks. Give thanks. That word yodah means to give thanks or to confess or to acknowledge or to praise, which is why it's called the great Hallel, the great praise song. Give thanks, confess, acknowledge, praise. Give it to whom? To whom are we giving that to? We're going to give thanks to the Lord. And notice that it's in all caps. In the HCSB translation, it's in all caps. Most of the time in that translation, it actually says Yahweh. But on this one, it keeps it as Lord. Usually when it's all caps, it is, it is, is English version of the, of the uh, Hebrew name Yahweh for God. So give thanks to who? The Lord, to, to Yahweh, to God. Who is that God? He is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the God of heaven. He was reminding us, the psalmist is reminding us of who God is. He starts off by calling God by his personal Hebrew name. We spent time on this 
this name last week, a considerable amount of time on this last week. So if you missed that, go back to fbcdan.com, look at the message on 625, and we talk about Yahweh a lot. But to quickly recap, this is God's personal name. The, 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 the names back then, they weren't just names. Names had meaning. The words had meaning. And, and Yahweh calls himself, God calls himself Yahweh, which is, this is the I am who I am name. That's what the word means. I am who I am. I am eternal God. It's the I am eternal God name. I was, I am, I will be. It means that. I do not change. I cannot change. I will not change. That's what the word means. That's what his name means. I'm all-powerful. I'm all-knowing. I'm all-present. I'm creator God. I'm eternal God. Eternal things can't stop, can't cease to exist, and won't change. There's no reason to change when you're eternal. You already know what you are, who you are, and who you're going to be. So he says, I'm above all the little g gods, all the things that we make up and turn into gods, all the things that the created creates and then worships instead of the created worshiping the creator. But it also includes all the other heavenly hosts. It includes the angels. It includes Satan. It includes the demons. It includes anything else that we could possibly try to make into a little G God. He said, I'm the God of little G gods, the ones that are fake, right? The ones that I am he. I'm the Lord of lords, the curio to curios in the Greek, the Adonai ho Adonim in the Hebrew, the Lord of lords, the one and only I am perfect father of all things and he says confess that acknowledge that give thanks to me for that start there always and forever start there start there when you're praising God always and forever start with who he is remind yourself of who it is that we say we are worshiping why why would we worship him? Well, if that isn't enough of a reason, we continue to get the reason to confess and acknowledge and give thanks to God, God the Father who saves us through God the Son, Jesus Christ. We get more reasons. And the main reason is because he's good. It's kind of cool. That's the way God describes himself. Give thanks to me because I am good. You know, people like to say, well, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? And I think that is such a naive thing to say. What I've learned and what I question and what I say is, why are there any good things at all? Why is anything good? I mean, if there isn't a God, and if it is survival of the fittest, and if we are just happenstance beings that exist because something primordial ooze came together and, and through eons and eons of time, we just suddenly magically appeared into what we are now if that is the case then why wouldn't i just do whatever i wanted to do whatever benefited me why is anything good at all you know why anything's good at all because god is good because his spirit his power his what he has put into us as his created image bearers there's still his goodness in this world even though sin has broken it and thought it could destroy it but it can't. Only he can. He is good. That's why we worship him. That's why we praise him. That's what we acknowledge. And, and, and how is he good? His faithful love endures forever. We'll get to that in just a second. That's a good one. Hang on to that one. So that word good there is tov. That's how it looks in the, in the Hebrew. That's the transliterated version in, in English. It's good. It's pleasant. It's agreeable. 
It's pleasant to the senses. It's, it's pleasant to the highest nature. It's good. It's excellent. Anything of its kind is the best. It's, the, it's good. It's becoming, which is an old word that we don't say very much. My grandmother used to say, that's so unbecoming. She was very displeased if she said that. But, but good is becoming. It's better. Comparatively, it's better. It's glad. It's happy. It's prosperous. When you're talking about the sensuous nature of man, it's prosperous. It's happy. It's good. Understanding. Intellectual nature, it's good and it's understanding. It's the good, kind, benign, right, ethical things. It's a good thing, a benefit, a welfare. When the nouns used in the masculine, it's prosperity and happiness. It's good things collectively. It's moral good. It's welfare. It's benefit. It's good things when the noun is used in the feminine. Prosperity, happiness. God is good. And what in this psalm, and in general, is the way that we know he is good and he expresses his goodness. This psalm tells us that the general way that we know that is that his faithful love endures forever, or his love is eternal in the HCSB, or his love endures forever in the NIV, or for his loving kindness is everlasting in the NASB 96, or for his faithfulness is everlasting in the NASB 2020. His love never quits in the message, which always just nails it right down there to the bottom. His tender love for us continues on forever, the Passion says. Stay away from the Passion, but it says that right pretty well in there. For his mercy endureth forever, the King James says. All of those are explaining one word in the Hebrew. We have multiple ways to explain it in the English because this one word carries so much meaning and so much weight. And it is the word that is used to express God's love in the Old Testament. Now, when you look at that in the Hebrew, that's what it would look like. And it, just newsflash, if you didn't know this, this is a little nerd thing you can take out of this, win a, win a game show one day maybe or something, I don't know. In the Hebrew, you read from right to left. That's why it looks like I have it up there backwards, but I don't because in the Hebrew it's from right to left. So it's la'olam hafdal, is how you would say that in the Hebrew, kind of. And that first word uh, is conjugated, uh, so if you broke it down to the, the root word, alam, that's like long duration or antiquity or future, futurity or forever, ever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual. It means forever is what that word means, eternal. And then the second word is conjugated, to show possession. It's showing possession by God. So it's, it's taking the root word and it's adding a little something to it so you understand this is God's this word. Okay? God's this word. So the root word without the conjugation, many of you will recognize because this isn't the first time we've talked about this word. It's a big word. This word here is, is chesed. You have to sound like you're trying to hock up a loogie when you say it. Chesed is how that word is pronounced. Um, and and that's, the, that's the root word of that word that looks like how, has thou in, in, in the English without any possession added to it, okay? This word means faithful love. It means kindness. It means loyalty, all wrapped up into one word. We have to use multiple English words to describe it. It is the predominant word in the Old Testament that is used to describe God's love. Say, God's love. His, his loving kindness, which is actually probably my favorite English way to say it. Because it combines love and kindness. It combines a feeling and an action, which is exactly what this word is. It's a feeling and an action, not just an action and not just a feeling. It's loving kindness, compassion and action, love and action. 
I love that word because it wraps it up well in the English, loving kindness. It is used 249 times in the Old Testament. 249 times. 129 of those times, so about half, is in the Psalms alone. This word is in there a lot in the Psalms. In English, it's going to show up different ways, all the ways we've just talked about. Faithful love, loving kindness, uh, kindness, uh, um, uh, enduring love, faithful love, faithfulness, uh, a lot of different ways it's going to show up. 26 of those times, of the 129 times it's in Psalms, is in just this one Psalm alone, one time in each of the 26 verses. In other words, that's why it's the great Hillel, the great praise Psalm. So the CBS, the Holman uh, Bible Notes, the, uh, my mind just went blank, states this, that is faithful love, constant love. It is a quality that binds people together. Kindness, like in Genesis 19, 19. Loyalty, like in Job 6, 14. These are all times that the word has said is used in the Old Testament. Goodness, in Isaiah 46. Or faithfulness, in Micah 6, 8. His said implies favor, like in Esther 2, 9. And grace, like in Ezra 9, 9. And when you use it as an adjective to describe something else, it appears as gracious in Daniel 9, 4. And kind in Proverbs eleven seventeen, Faithful in Isaiah 57, 1. And loving in Proverbs 31, 26. It occurs with asa, which means to do. It, when, you, when you put asa with it, it means to do. So to deal kindly with someone like 1 Samuel 28 or to show kindness or loyalty like 2 Samuel 9 1 and to show kindness like in Judge, Judges 1 24. The plural of this word implies acts and deeds of faithful love like in Psalm 107 43 or good deeds like in Nehemiah 13 14. Kassid, when you conjugate it at the end with a little different conjugation denotes faithful. It means faithful like Psalm 86 2 or Psalm 145, 17, or Micah 7, 2, or it means loyal. When you look at Psalm 89, 19, and, func- and it functions nominally, chesed means to prove oneself faithful two times in Psalm 18, 25. It is a big, big, big old, big old word, and I don't advocate anyone getting a tattoo, but that's why I've got that word tattooed on my arm so I don't forget it. I want to look in the mirror every day and remember that that means... God's not given up on me. God's capable of doing what he says he's going to do. He is faithful, loving, kindness in his essence. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And in all that, the psalmist gives reasons in this psalm. In this one psalm, he gives a lot of reasons. So we're going to read through those reasons without the refrain in there that we repeat all the way through. So I'm going to read through that fairly quickly. He alone does great wonders or mighty miracles. He made the heavens skillfully. He spread the land and the waters. He made the great lights, the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the stars. Right? So when we start there with that, this, did I go past it? Sorry. The psalmist starts with saying, he alone does great wonders or mighty miracles. And then he goes on to state some of what that is, some of what his mighty miracles are, some of what his great wonders are. And where does he start? Almost always where everyone starts because if you've ever walked outside of a door of a shelter and opened your eyes, everything you look at is a pretty big wonder. It's a mighty miracle. If we would just slow down every once in a while and put down the technology and stop looking at a screen and just walk outside and look at the great wonders that God has created. He starts 
with creation. And he says he made the heavens, what does it say? Skillfully. That's a cool word. Or you could say it with thorough understanding. <laughs> That's cool to say it that way. God made creation with thorough understanding. He knew it front, backwards, and top to bottom. What he was making, what it was going to be capable of, what it was going to do. It means there's order and beauty. You know, science couldn't exist if God had created creation with order. You know, 200 years ago, scientists would have told you that everything is random. Everything is random. All the atoms are moving randomly. All the stuff is moving randomly. It's all just random. Now even science admits that there is order in creation. If there weren't, then we couldn't have laws, the physical laws of the universe. God created it that way. He separated land and water. I like how it says that he spread the land on the waters. Do you know we're still finding great oceans underneath the land? Oceans of waters underneath the land. It says he spread the land on the waters. So cool created and ordered the things and gave us the sun and the moon and the stars to recognize that order, to recognize time, to recognize the seasons of life. And he didn't just do it, he did it beautifully and skillfully. He could have made it to be drab and boring and ordinary, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He made it beautifully and skillfully. Psalms, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 3, 19 and 20 says it like this. Yahweh laid the foundations of the earth with wisdom, establishing the heavens with understanding, with his knowledge. The deep, the deeps burst open and the skies drop dew. Goes on to explain what it is, that who he is, and these things that he's trying to explain without the other stuff in there. He stuck, struck, excuse me, the firstborn of the Egyptians, or killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, and brought Israel out from among them, with a strong hand and outstretched arm, he divided the Red Sea and led Israel through, but hurled Pharaoh and his army into the sea. The striking down of the firstborn may be a little offensive to our delicate sensibilities these days, but there's a reason why God did that, especially Pharaoh's firstborn. It was the final blow to the false gods of Israel and all the plagues he is defeating a God of Israel. It's not just random. You ever thought about that? It's like frogs. Why frogs? It all goes with different gods of the Egyptians, and God defeats them all. And Pharaoh himself was supposed to be a god, and so was his son. And if God could take his life, then obviously God was greater than Pharaoh the god. That's why that's such a big deal that he did that. And it was the final blow that made Pharaoh cave. It's what made Pharaoh, he finally said, get out of here. Get out of here. You got, y'all got, you guys got to go. So through his great power, which is expressed as a strong hand and an outstretched arm or a mighty arm, we just sang about that. That first song we sang is based off of this song. We're singing scripture all the time, if you just pay attention. Pharaoh quickly changes his mind and says, I made a mistake, get him back. And he sends his army, changes his mind. So God saves Israel with another mighty act, parting the Red Sea, something that we just take for granted, like that just happens all the time. And then he swallows up the entire army of the most powerful nation on the earth. They don't, throw a, they don't shoot an arrow. They don't swing a sword. They don't throw a punch. They don't do anything, anything besides turn around and watch the most powerful army in the world disappear right in front of them without any fighting, without anything at all. Parting the Red Sea and swallowing up Pharaoh's army after Israel had already safely passed to, to the other side. Moving along, finishing up. 
trying to finish up. He led his people in the wilderness. He struck down great kings and slaughtered famous kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. What does God do? He guides, he instructs, he protects. So he's created, right? And he's delivered, but he also guides and instructs and protects. Through what? Life's ups and downs. Life's ups and downs. The hard stuff. The psalmist doesn't skip the hard stuff. He reminds us of the hard stuff. The wilderness is not the fun place to be. But the psalmist doesn't skip that because God shows up there too. It's important to remember that. He will, he will vindicate us at the right time, just like he did Israel. That's why he mentions these two kings by name. If you've ever read through Numbers, you've heard of these guys. Sihon and Og were two different kings that wouldn't allow Israel to pass through. And so God wiped them out too and then gave their land to Israel, proving again that he is the great deliverer. He guides and instructs and he protects. Longman puts it this way. When Israel fought, it was God the warrior who gave them the victory and also the land. And thus it is he who deserves the praise. That's what the psalmist is trying to remind them of. Three more slides. Some of y'all just can't make it. You're just so tired. Verse 21, and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to Israel, his servant. He remembered us in our humiliation and rescued us from our foes. He gives food to every creature. He provides. So he's created, he's delivered, he guides and instructs and protects, and he provides. He gives them the promised land. He upholds his duty and his covenant. This is, this is his said in action. His said implies covenant loyalty. God has made a covenant. He keeps his word because of who he is. Not because you are special or because Israel is special, but because of who he is. Because God is holy forever. He is good, perfect father. He is his set. He doesn't just do it. He is it. He will faithfully love and be kind because that's who he is. He creates and he sustains that creation. He redeems evidence by the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. He guides and he protects at all times, highs and lows. And especially it's important for us to remember that he guides and protects in the lows, in the valleys, in the hard times, in the wilderness times of our lives. Because we will have wilderness times in our lives. Some of us are in them right now. And they're hard. He conquers. He promises and he delivers on his promise. He provides. The psalmist gives examples from history to remind Israel and now us, how and why we should sing praise and give praise to God. We do it for he is good, and his faithful love endures forever. How long is forever? How long is forever, John? Long time. Forever is forever. Forever doesn't have an end. His faithful love endures forever. His said endures forever and always. He is love everlasting. His loving kindness knows no bounds and it knows no end. So, you wrap it up like this and then we'll go to lunch. Why do we give thanks? Why do we praise? Why do we, why do we acknowledge who God is? Why do we do all of this on a Sunday morning? We give thanks and confess praise to Jesus for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he will do. It serves us well to remember what he has done. But sometimes it's like, well, that's great that God the Father did all that for Israel. But what about me? What about us? Where's my exodus? 
tell you where it is. It's on the cross. Your exodus and my exodus came on Calvary, on Golgotha, on a hill shaped like a skull, where the Son of God shed his blood to deliver you from sin, not from a nation, from sin everlasting. Where's my conquering for the kingdom? I want to conquer and have a land and a special possession. That sounds fun. Jesus has given you, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a faithful, loving follower of Christ, if you have been saved, we like to say it in the Baptist church, he's given you the Holy Spirit to advocate, to assist, and to advance us in our battle against Satan and against his demons. A battle that God in eternity has already won, but a battle that in time we get the privilege of fighting this spiritual battle. And he will advance us on to make sure that has happened. He's already won. So where's my provision? Jesus' eye is on the sparrow. You don't think he cares about you? He also says that he numbers the hairs of hairs on our head. I don't like that one anymore. But he does. He can. He will provide for your needs in your life. Most of the time, in spite of ourselves, he'll provide. Most of the time, when we're doing the exact opposite of what he wants us to do, he still provides for us because that's what love really is. Love isn't just when it feels good. Love isn't just when you get it back what you want. Love is doing what's good, period. Even when you're a knucklehead, he doesn't give up on you. He keeps going. He keeps providing. He will provide. More and more and more and more and more than we could ever imagine in eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. He's worth our praise. Say, so how can I trust him? The psalmist provides us the perfect example. We remember. We remember. Here I raise my Ebenezer. We sing sometimes one of my favorite hymns. My stone of help. Why? To help me remember who God is. Mark out those times in your life where God's done something special. Mark out those times in your life where God's shown up big. Write them down. Put them on your arm if you have to. <laughs> okay, don't do that. But I did. Mark it down. Remember who God is. Remember that he has consistently provided for thousands of years. We have documentation of his provision for thousands of years. He has always delivered on his promises, and he always will. He's incapable of not doing it. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His hesed, his hesed, actually, I'll say hesed, endures forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to that God, give your life to Christ Jesus today. What in the heck are you waiting on? It doesn't get any better. For those of you that have, I cannot get this statement out of my head. I cannot get this statement out of my head. Andy Blank said this last week at church camp, and I cannot get it out of my head. How are you going to spend, or put it in the presence, how are you spending the life that Jesus bought for you? You were bought at an extremely high price to know God to know him and to love him forever. What are you doing with it? For goodness sake, what are we doing with it? Here's what we need to do. 
we need to, and this is what I say, said, we need to spread chesed. Now, that's not the proper pronunciation, but it sounds better. We need to spread chesed with our lives. Faithful, loving kindness and action. Nothing has ever changed anything other than that. That's the only thing that works. Grace and mercy in action. That's what changes. That's what transforms. That's what makes a difference. Not law, not judgment, not punishment. Grace and mercy in action. That's what makes a difference in this world. And the more we can do it, the more we can bring heaven to earth until, <laughs> until God brings heaven to earth. Whew, come on, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm ready for that. But until then, we've got a duty. We need to be spreading chesedin. Huh. I'm going to pray. Let's finish in song, and then we'll go eat. Father God, thank you for your, thank you for your chesed, God. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your tenderness, your loving kindness. Thank you that you've given us so many examples, so many examples for thousands of years of your faithfulness, God. We can count on you to come through. We can count on you to come through. All you ask us to do is trust you in coming through. God, will you please break our hearts and put us on our face in front of you? God, will break our hearts and make us bow down to you and stop living for the world and start living for you. Break our hearts, God. I'm sick and tired of it. Of the hard hearts and the haughty looks and the noses up in the air. Like we know what we're doing and we're capable of doing it on our own. God, break our hearts. Put us on our face so that we remember who you are. So that we worship you for who you are. That we remember what you're going to do and we worship you for what you're going to do, God. And that we will worship you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because that's who you are. And one day, all creatures will do it whether they want to or not. God, God, make this church, God. Give us another opportunity to do it by choice, to confess you as Lord of lords, King of kings the Savior of all mankind, the God that is chesed, the loving, faithful, kind God. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.